Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silbert Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And we love hanging out and talking with you guys. It's another great day to have a conversation. So, you And know, you're busy this time of oh year. Oh, man, we are at the ramp up. It is a busy time of year here at Silbert Ranch. We are getting ready for our summer season, which means this summer is uh, freedom, summer 2023. And uh, we build a full-on set to match the theme, the kind of the – the era or culture that we're building around is is Robin Hood. So not necessarily the Robin Hood story, but kind of that that, sure. that that I don't know universe, as people like to reference universes. Yep. Um, so yeah, we break ground here pretty soon. The snow's gone-ish. Gone-ish. For those, that li- <laughs> for those listening <laughs> yeah. in the North Woods of Wisconsin, you know what that Bay means. Area, you totally know what I'm, I mean by gone-ish. Yeah. It's um, sort of it's sort of gone. And we've already had 80 degree days and we've had snow since those 80 degree days. Yes. So it's just that that sort of gone-ish. Um Kinda but we're gone-ish. excited for for summer. Um we do youth and family camps and you know we still have a tiny bit of room on our family camps. Our youth camps are pretty much full at this point. Um but if you'd love to join us or even volunteer if you're a high schooler and you're sitting at home bored or if you have a high schooler that you want out of the house doing something beneficial um, you know, they can come and volunteer for a week so they right. can help us out uh, at our canteen, out with the horses, up with our zip line. We'll train them, equip them, and they can come up here and hang out and do stuff. That's what I did during the summer times when I was in high school, and it's a great opportunity. So I encourage you to head over to silverchranch.org, go to summer, and go to volunteer, and you could fill out an application. We'd love to have you for a week, two weeks, all summer if you like. Yep. It's a great opportunity. And you don't just have to be in, in high school. You could be an adult if you want to come and volunteer. You know, we're always looking for people that – Maybe uh, even have boating experience. You know, if you have boating experience, you can help drive our, our boats or hop in a van and drive uh, some people up to the climbing wall or something. So a lot of, a lot of fun things you could do here to make the big puzzle work. Um, it takes a lot of people to make camp happen. It and does. So if, if you want to attend, awesome. If you want to help us out, we'd love that too. And if you just want to pray for us and pray that God does some amazing things, he always does, and we're excited. We're on the front f- front row seat to see, all right, God, what are you going to do this summer? We know he's going to do stuff in the lives of young people, and we're excited to see what that's going to be like. You know, one of the things we like to encourage people to is every weekend of the year almost, uh, we have uh, groups that come up here, and we look for groups that want to come up and be our dish crew. Yes. So what do we mean by dish crew? Dish when crew. I say dish crew, what is that? Yeah, so mean? obviously, you know, we serve food. And when you serve food, there's dishes that need to be done. Plates, cups, silverware, pots and pans and all that sort of stuff. And so we have a dishwashing machine, a commercial dishwashing machine that we work with. But our dish crew is, is the crew of people that helps um, work the dish room, essentially. Right. Clean and do those things. And it's a great opportunity for um, youth groups. You know, as a service project for or, life, or for church life groups, life groups, yeah, life groups. You know, we have life groups that come up, but we are always in the looking for that. We'll put you up uh, for the weekend. It's really a, a cheap. You know, there's really no cost to it. Virtually no cost to it. Right. Um. So come on up. It's a great time. Or, or if you're looking for a place to stay, we also have our uh, second location that we're developing um, over at the Wolf River Refuge. And uh, we'd love to have you get join us over there with your life groups or small youth groups and that sort of thing. We're getting ready. We have some some exciting announcements coming uh, in the next uh, month or two. About yeah, that I was going to say group. people should stay tuned and, stay and tuned. get excited about yeah. what we're doing over at the Wolf River Refuge because we're we keep developing that into a, a really interesting ministry, and we want to we want to be able to serve your church, your families, your small groups, and so you stay tuned and and actually keep. Coming up and visiting. You were talking about help, and, and I think one of the most critical things 
in my life and in your life as we were growing up as we came up here and served. Yeah. And we learned how to serve when we were young people. And it became part of our DNA in a way. I mean, it became part of who we were. Mm-hmm. And now we're older, and I'm older than you. You're about half my age. And we still serve because it's part of our DNA. Yeah. It's, it's who we are and who we developed into. And that's what our, our my dad was our pastor and, and the youth leaders at our church. They put a value on dying to self and going to serve. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know, the kids in your life, the, the high school people, the college people in your life are not going to learn to do that if they're always involved in something where they're serving themselves. I think it's critically important that you look in life and have a plan for sending your children or getting your children to learn what it is to serve other people and do it for absolutely nothing. And that itself is a great education. Right, right. And, and it just teaches you a good ethic. Absolutely. And uh, and that's that's what we're here for. So I encourage you to, to check us out. Come and visit us. Hang out with us. We'd love to love to have you up here. That's the fun part of ministry, I think. Because as we as we look at who comes here, we get to serve the church by offering camps where you can come up be your own counselor. We get to serve the church by offering retreat space. We get to serve smaller discipleship groups over at the Wolf River Refuge. We get to work with foster care kids. We do this stuff on the radio. We got all these areas that we can serve the church including the volunteer groups that come up. In the next few weeks, there's going to be crews that come up that volunteer to rake leaves. Mm. Uh, they come up to help uh, build the, the, the little edifice that you're building out there, whatever it is. Edifice. Edifice. <laughs> I, I lost track of what we called it. So we edif- call it a set. Okay, so the edifice word came out. Edifice. And, you know, that's what happens when you're my age. Wow. Um, I give you 200 points for that. There you go. And don't ask me to spell it. <laughs> um, but here, here, what's interesting again is I, I think I was talking to the students today at the Nicolay Bible Institute, which is another place we'd love you to check out. And I was talking to them about how important it is not to kick the sadness out of their life. Hmm. It, it, what happens a lot of times, we want to go through life and we want to be happy about everything. But you can't be happy. God gave us feelings and emotions, but he didn't give us the feelings and emotions to guide and direct us. Mm-hmm. So you, you bite into a good hamburger. You're going to have a good feeling. God made it so that, you, you know, he provides food. It provides a certain feeling for you. Enjoy that. But when you see things that are not right, you're going to have sadness. And you don't need to push the sadness out. You need to lead it, let it drive you to God and look for answers and, and that kind of thing. But because we try to find things where we don't have sadness, a lot of times we're trying to kick it out. Mm-hmm. So if I'm feeling sad about something, I go, well, I don't like feeling sad. Well, nobody does. Right. But when I think of issues like right now, our nation is in the midst of, it seems like we're always in the midst of an election. Oh, it's nonstop, I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm so tired of hearing about an election. I, I, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I hate you know, to tell you something. It's I, like, I, I know. And that hasn't even been our presidential election. I know. That's coming up next year. No, yeah, I know. It's, it's driving me insane. Something to make you excited, right? Yeah. But however, (laughs) when I think about it, you know, I think, okay, I actually get sad because the issue I see they keep saying is abortion. Hmm. They keep saying, oh, you know what? We're going to win this election. One party says we're going to win this election because people want to have abortion. I'm thinking we want to kill the unborn. We want to take innocent lives and kill them. And that's what the issue is. Hmm. That's going to be the issue that decides who's in office. And, and they want to get as many people in office that could say, yes, killing unborn babies, helpless unborn babies in the mother's womb is really what it's about. Mm. 
And, and I'm telling you, that makes me sad. Yeah. And I don't know any other way to feel about that. I'm not going to feel good about it. I'm not going to go and press that sadness away. I'm not going to try and get drunk or take pills or, or do things so that I don't feel badly about it. I'm going let to let it stay there. Mm-hmm. Right, because it, it's okay. It should be. I should never feel good about murdering uh, innocent children. I shouldn't feel good about it. So I'm not going to. I'm also told that if I say things like we just said here, that there will be people who will be marginalized and will be told that we're divisive and we'll be hated. Again, I look at that and go, because I say that we shouldn't kill innocent, unborn children? Hmm. This is barbaric to me at this point. And, And so then I look at the way the world is responding. There's so many depressed, suicidal, angry people in the world. Mm-hmm. And I look at the news that talks about let's kill babies. We, we look at the wars that are going on, the, the constant strife, the constant anger, the constant calling people names, whatever you go. The whole atmosphere is about let's cause as much chaos and loser as we can. Yeah. And, and we don't want to correct that. We don't want to go to anyone and say, stop it. Mm-hmm. So I think on this broadcast, Jason, I want to say, stop it. Right. Let's stop the madness. I want, I want to read this article. It's from the Associated Press. I'll read the whole thing, then I'll let you respond right, to it. Right. It's, uh, it's, it was published April 18th, 2023. It's called We Are Kids. And it says, why are teen girls in crisis? It's not just social media. It's by the Associated Press. And they start with three points. Anxiety over academics. Post-lockdown malaise. Social media angst. And here's the article. Study after study says American youth are in crisis facing unprecedented mental health challenges that are burdening teen girls in particular. Among most glaring data, a recent Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report showed almost 60% of the U.S. girls reported persistent sadness and hopelessness. Rates are up in boys, too, but about half as many are affected. Adults have theories about what's going on, but what do teens themselves say? In social media, the root of their woes, are they male peers somehow immune to part of the problem? The Associated Press interviewed five girls in four states and agreed to publish only the first names because of the sensitive nature of the topics discussed. The teens offered sobering and sometimes surprising insight. We are so strong and we go through so much, said Amelia, a 16-year-old girl who loves to sing and wants to be a surgeon. She also has depression and anxiety, and like 13% of U.S. high school girls surveyed in the government report, she is suicidal and has tried to attempt suicide. Wow. Hospitals, um, and so she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hospitalization after 2020 attempt and therapy helped. But Amelia also faced bullying, toxic friendships, menacing threats from a boy at school who said she deserved to be raped. More than one in 10 girls said that they've been forced to have sex, according to the CDC report, the first increase noted in the government's periodic survey. Sexual threats are just one of the burdens teen girls say they face. We are trying to survive in a world that's out to get us, Amelia said. I, that, that one phrase just stops me. It's like, the girls think the world's trying to get them. Hmm. So these kids are growing up in a world that they think is trying to get them. Right. Wow. Emma, another one now, 
An 18-year-old aspiring artist in Georgia with attention deficit disorder and occasional depression says worries about academics and college are a huge source of stress. Lately, in myself and my friends, I realize how exhausted everyone is with the pressures of the world and social issues and where they're going in the future, I'm added. All of these things pile up and crash down. Zoe, 15, was raised in Mississippi by a strict but loving single mother who pressured her to be success in school and life. She echoes those feelings. School can be nerve-wracking and impact your mental health so much that you don't even recognize it until you're in the space where you don't know what to do, Zoe said. She also had friendship struggles that ended in deep depression and felt the discomfort of being the only black kid in class. Several girls said they faced added pressure from society's standards that put too much focus on how they look. A lot of people view women's bodies and girls' bodies as sexual, Emma said. It's overwhelming to have all these things pushed on us. The Me Too movement began with the, when these girls were quite young, but it intensified during the pandemic and they're hyper-aware of uninvited sexual advances. Boys are less aware, they suggest. The girls cite crass jokes, inappropriate touching, sexual threats, or action, or actual violence. Girls say the unwanted attention can feel overwhelming. We deserve not to be sexualized or catcalled because we are kids, Amelia said. Sia, an 18-year-old New Jersey, said almost every girl she knows has dealt with sexual harassment. That's just been the normal for me, she said. When you're walking alone as a girl, you're automatically put in this vulnerable situation. I think that's so sad. I don't know what it feels like not to have that fear. A lot of people view women's bodies and girls' bodies as sexual, 18-year-old Emma said. It's overwhelming to have all these things pushed on us. Wow. You know, I mean, you look at that and you go, these young girls are, are feeling this tremendous pressure. Yeah. You know, I've said that too. I said, you know, when my when my daughters were at a certain age where they were able to drive on their own. You know, I wanted to make sure, it was early in cell phone or life. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure they had one. Mm. I wanted to make sure they had a car that worked well. And I've often said, well, if I had a son like you, I could care less. Mm. You could have an old car that could break down. I don't care about a phone. Yeah. Right. Why? That shows you the mind frame. Yeah. Right. It's like, I don't know that a girl is safe in our world today. Yeah. And that's, that's that's unfortunate. It is, yeah. and and that's what these girls are saying. We right. don't feel safe, right? And so I don't blame them for this overwhelming like cloud that's hanging there. And the question I have is, how do we correct that? Right. I mean, you have three boys. What do you do to help them understand how to respect ladies? Mm -hmm. And and how do those girls that are listening, moms that are listening, how do they help you with three sons too? Because it's just not all about how you train your boys, right? There, there's an overwhelming undercurrent out there of everything is sexualized. I, I, you know, I, I get the news feeds, and, and I'm going through them. Half the time it's um, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, his, you, you should see his girlfriend in the latest bikini. Hmm. And I'm sitting there going, what do you mean? I'm, I'm trying to read about his contract. Right. I really don't want to see a, his girlfriend in her, in her latest bikini. She, she's probably, she looks you know, 18 years old to me. I have no idea how old she is. But she, she looks young, and I, and I don't want to see it. Uh, likewise, no matter where you go, you're looking at this where something uh, comes onto your screen and says it's sexual of some, some type. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, why are you doing this? Yeah. All I wanted to know is the weather. Right. 
you know, or I wanted to look at a car or I wanted to, to do something. All of a sudden it turns into this thing. Mm-hmm. And then the way people dress, it's like they scream, look at me, look at me, look at me. And, I, and I'm thinking we live in a culture where it is so sexualized that now every thought and action of adolescent kids seems to gear around the, the pornography, the sexual side of things. To, and, and the girls now are the victims, are the first victims of it. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to somehow step up to the plate and start protecting those young girls. And I would encourage uh, parents who are listening to be thinking, um, your girls might be thinking this way. Uh, they may not talk to you about it because it's an uncomfortable chat. Yeah. But believe me, when you work with enough young girls, you begin to see that what these girls are talking about is not unusual. And that all ladies, all women, want to be viewed for who they are and not just as a sexual being. Right. And if they've degenerated to where they want to just be a sexual being, and I, I use that word, they've degenerated. Yeah. They've gotten to the point where things are not going to be the way they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that really the culture you want your kids growing up in? Mm-mm. No. So then we got to do something different. Right. We can't keep looking at this. Even even those of us who do what you and I are doing here on the radio and other things, you know, we got to decide to do something different than the culture's doing, mm-hmm. or we're going to end up the same. Right. And we can't get on people and call them legalistic or whatever else when we do that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to encourage, and, and, I, and I've said this before to you, but I would encourage you to train your sons to always look at people in the eye when they're talking to them. Yeah. Why? It keeps their eyes from roaming. Yeah. It looks, when you look into the eye of somebody, you look into their heart. Mm-hmm. When, when you look elsewhere, you're looking lustfully. I, I mean, eventually, you, you could very easily get off track. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a, a, one of a, a guy in ministry just yesterday, and he was talking about the struggles they have in this area. And I, and I said, so have you trained the people you work with to look at the girls as they come through or the guys as they come through? You'll always look at them in the eye and talk to them. No. Try that. Mm-hmm. Why? I know it's very minor, but once again, we can't keep going the path we're going and say we want a different result. How do we get to the point where people feel respected again? Right. How do we get to the point where they feel like we care for them because they're a human being and not because of their sexualization? How, how do we get to the point where we actually love people like God tells us to love them and look for ways to make them successful? Whether they're male or female, it doesn't matter. How do, how do we get there? And some of it is beginning to train young people the best we can to do something different than they're already doing. So I want to encourage you as a, as a parent or if you're working with young people, have a campaign in place where we, get, where we start having people look at people in the eye when we talk to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look people in the eye, you tend to treat them like a human. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really, I know you're sitting there at home going, really? Yeah, you do. Cause right. you're there's something about it. This is one of the great tragedies of the pandemic. Right. Is we lost that. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you're, I mean, just, just take that into consideration as you go for a week. You know, as you talk with people, take it, take note of how many people actually look at you in the, in your eyes you yep. know, for the entire conversation. And you'd yep. be surprised. Yep. You know. And you'd be surprised how many young girls know that you're not looking them in the eye, but you're checking them out. Yeah. 
and immediately they feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because you, like everybody else, are sexualizing them, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. When you look somebody in the eye, you're not sexualizing them. Mm -hmm. You're just not doing it. Right. And so I know that sounds really simple. Right. But can we make it like step one? If you've got kids at home, teach them to do that. They'll be better communicators, by the way, all their life if they do that. They'll be better communicators because they'll see into the heart of the individual they're looking at, and they'll communicate. When you communicate, every part of your body goes with your words, every Mm -hmm. part. So your face is the most uh, critical expression of what you're saying. And, And so when you're looking at the eyes, you're seeing the face move. And the face is actually doing the communication with the words. Mm-hmm. And and so if you're talking to somebody and there's tears coming out of their eyes, you understand something. Yeah. There's also, you, get, you can almost see joy in somebody's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, was, I was watching somebody, they were playing the guitar, they were playing the guitar for somebody, and, and they were just singing, and, and I was watching the people he was singing to, and they their eyes lit up. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's fun. You know, I mean, what they're doing is just enjoying the fact that this person is playing, is sitting with them and playing a guitar and and singing. And I thought that that's really, you know, that's a fun thing to see in life is somebody just lighting up uh, mm-hmm. about that. Um, I, I would ask all families, uh, whether they have boys like yours or girls, to really have a, a talk with mom and dad uh, behind closed doors, even talk about it, say, okay. How do we how do we promote how do we demonstrate a real respect for um, people and get away from the sexualization part? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would suggest that maybe first of all you you realize that most television uh, movies, most television programs uh, sexualize things. Mm-hmm. Most advertisements seem to sexualize things. Yeah. So there might be some limiting there that you have to do. But I think in each of the homes, if mom and dad would talk about it, um, and, and I would think, too, that it, it would be wise for you to just talk to your wife and say, how, how do you see this affecting you? Because every female in the United States of America feels it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, my age bracket, we're, we're older. Um, but it's not that you don't feel it. You, you realize that's the the route it, it's gone. Yeah. And what's fueling that? And and how do you cut off the fuel is the question. Mm-hmm. So whether, you know, whether you, you know, I'm not asking people necessarily to be uh, legalistic. I'm asking them to watch what goes in the heads of, of their kids and then have discussions about it. I don't know how things are being discussed at school. What, you know, um, right now it seems hard to enforce any standards because there are no standards. Mm-hmm. I know some schools deal with it. Uh, you know, they want people to look where they're not um, dressing inappropriately and things, so they go to uniforms or whatever else it might be. Um, you know, I, however you want to do this. Yeah. But the very idea that you do that is saying, yeah, we're over-sexualized as a, as a society. And I, and I think that people are just getting um, tired of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it takes intentionality, too, because the other thing that plays a factor in it is the pornography industry. Absolutely. You know, I heard a statistic the other day that blew me blew me away um, that within a month of a child receiving their first phone, they're exposed to pornography. Yeah. Within a month. Like, it's just mind boggling, you know, and and that that's something that as a parent, you may or may not know what's going on. And so it takes intentionality 
you know, because all the things you mentioned are very practical ways that, you know, you can be intentional. But, you know, pornography is a thing, whether hidden or unhidden, you know, that that challenges our society as well. And that ruins people's perspective. It does. You know, it makes it so that you begin to use people rather than love people. Right. Absolutely. And that goes beyond even just the I mean, that that impacts people for life relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and even marriages. It'll ruin everything. If you if you get married to somebody because you have needs that you want to have met, you, you've already started with the idea that I'm going to use this person for myself. Mm. I, I'm not saying there aren't needs, there aren't desires. I'm just saying that if that's the reason. Yeah. When you marry somebody, you marry them and you make a commitment to them. And you, you love your wife as we to our husbands. So we love our wife as Christ loved the church. So we're looking for ways to use our life, to lay down our life, to, to make our life so that our spouse has the life that they should have. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're not trying to use them. We're trying to love them. And and the, the home should be this safe place. And, and therefore, things that are um, overly sexual that you find on television or whatever else, you know, how, how do you make the home a safe place? Mm-hmm. You get that stuff out of there the best you can. The children need to know that there are people that aren't going to sexualize them. Right. And, and, and people just need to know that in general. And they should be those who love the Lord. And so start with some simple things. Get people into different habits. Get them thinking about the importance of, um, of holding a, a very high esteem to the fact that they're people and not objects for yeah. themselves. And really using people in all different ways, sexually is one, but people use people all the time for their own benefit somehow. And, and we're told to love one another, and that's, that's the sin, is when we start using people. We, it, instead, they love money, and they love influence, they love power. That's what gets you into trouble. Yeah. We're to love people, which means that we don't objectify them. And however we do that, and however that discussion needs to be open. I'm not sure that I'd feel overly comfortable having that discussion with boys your age and, and your home. Right. However, you know that in school they're already exposed to stuff. Right, right. And so I think um, you probably have to have that discussion a lot earlier than I would ever have had it. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. and how you do that is something you have to ask God to give you wisdom. Those of you that are believers, you've got to trust that God knows what you need to do, and you've got to trust the Holy Spirit will guide you. Yeah. Because it is a right goal to have that people love one another and not use one another. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the terminology we need to use in yeah. our in our homes. You know, you don't use people. Right. When, when they do something they shouldn't do, use that terminology. You know, no, people aren't to be used. They're to be loved. Yeah. So that your kids grow up knowing, oh, that is really different. Right. You know, I'm not to take somebody in my life just because I benefit from them somehow, whether it be money or sexual or whatever it might be right but i need to think how i can be best for them mm-hmm. well you'd, you'd have unusual children if you're able to do that and and they'd be unusually healthy as well right and, and I pr- you're probably a parade of people wanting to be around your family because they want to be healthy too and they they see that it can be healthy just needs to be right and i think as a parent one thing that you should do is is don't be afraid to talk about things because if you set the standard where where anything can be talked about all of a sudden it becomes a safe place where you can talk about things 
uh, rather than just keeping things hidden or being ashamed about bringing a thing up in conversation. And so uh, we're running out of time here on this conversation, but I encourage you to continue to dialogue and continue to even look at your own life and look at ways that you can be intentional to, to pursue healthy relationships and even, you know, looking at people through healthy lenses. Uh, I encourage you to, to check out this podcast and others. Go to silverbridgeranch.org where you can re-listen to it or listen to it again. But for now, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.